So I went from being like a, a kid in New York thinking, you know, I would conquer the world and my art would be in museums and all that kind of stuff to living in a temple where you're taught to be the last person in the room. So I decided to have a per purpose behind, be, you know, behind what I was doing and I wanted to use art as something that could bring uh, greater things to this planet. If you could complete your MBA in just one year, thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, Lowcountry. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, presented by the College of Charleston School of Business and Coastal Wealth Management. I'm your host, Eric Cox, here with the lovely and talented co-host, Leslie Haywood. How are you this morning, Leslie? I'm doing amazing. Happy Saturday. Glad to see you this morning. Yeah, and I'm coming to you from a different location today, Leslie. I'm actually out at Kiowa for the PGA tournament this weekend. Yeah, so it's a what, big lacrosse game out big there. Big lacrosse game, yes, right? absolutely. You know, they use the round <laughs> orange ball for that, so... Um, <laughs> What an amazing event, by the way. I got to give some kudos out to Kiowa and their team out here. The logistics of running this many people in and out of this tiny little island is absolutely incredible. And sure. uh, you were on a bus yesterday going into the event, and these bus drivers go all around the world or country doing these events. And they said this is the most well run logistic event they've ever run. So go Charleston. How about that? How about that? So, Yay. and the golf was amazing. The weather's incredible. Uh, this is what I love about Charleston. That's awesome. Well, I'm over here, you know, just hanging out in West Ashley, looking looking at the news at all the things. I know you better than that. I know your life is always something good going on, something fun happening. And honestly, I, I got a secret for you this morning if you'll just keep between you and I, Leslie. Okay. I won't tell anybody. Share with anybody else. Nope. This is a big week coming up for me. Why? Uh, 5-0. <gasps> oh, my God. Is this it? This is it. So, you know. <laughs> Just keep that between you and I if you don't if you don't mind. Oh my God. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. How did I not know that? Exactly. This is it. Yeah. You know, mine's in December, like yeah. the, yeah. the the five O. You know, they say it only gets better at that point. So I'm I'm excited. Not That's, really, but I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> you keep telling you know yourself I'm that. I'm excited because we have another phenomenal guest here on our show, as always, here on Beyond the Business. And by the way, before we talk about this week's guest. Uh, we had Helen Perry on the last couple of weeks. What a rock star she is. Tell us a little bit about what your thoughts were. By the way, Helen is a corporate brand image consultant. What did you take away from her talk? 
Well, I mean, she gave us a lot of advice on how we present ourselves, and I could definitely take a lesson, especially today. I mean, I'm just not presenting very well today. You know, it's a good thing this is radio. Um, But one thing that she said was that the lens shows us something different than the mirror. So it's good to take pictures and get a view of what other people see. And here I am, you know, yelling at my teenagers about always taking selfies and all that. And she said, it's actually a good thing. You You should take pictures and see how other people see you. And I was also introduced to the concept of impression management. And she said, the reason it's so important is because we're always making a statement about ourselves. So it's critical, it's critical to be cognizant of exactly what we are saying. Um, And I know you've got some quotes too. What do you have to say about her? You know what? Uh, I don't actually have any quote takeaway. It was just such a, like you said, just a, it was a well thought through conversation. It really makes you think about the impressions that you do put out there. Yeah. Uh, cer- certainly made me run home and look at my wardrobe and I realized I'm <laughs> in big trouble. Uh, that's but, <laughs> not true. Oh my gosh. Helen was great. And just the fact that that's a thing out there, right? That people hire an impression consultant to help them with all that. Uh, I just thought it was really uh, eye-opening. What a great conversation. Helen out of uh, Houston, Texas, by the way. So we appreciate her taking time to do the show with us. If you missed that show, don't fret. Go to our website at CoastalWM.com, click on the radio icon, you can listen to her show, or if you want to listen to just one of the regular podcasts, go to iTunes or Spotify and simply put in Beyond the Business and check out her show and all the shows, by the way, that we've been doing now for the last, ready for this? How long? Eight years. Eight years. Oh my gosh. We're almost getting to the point of like a fine wine. That's how (laughs) long it's been. So it's absolutely incredible. So Hey, my um, box of wine does not need eight years. All right, it's a bourbon. Now. A bourbon. How's that? A bourbon. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, the box. my cord Bordeaux. So we're going to turn our attention to our guest today. We're really excited to have her. Uh, again, we're not in studio yet because of COVID. We're still all doing this remotely, uh, so we can all see each other on the screen. But I'm excited to introduce Fair Caggiano. I'm sure I messed that entire thing up, Fair, but we appreciate you coming on. Who's an artist, a philanthropist, a feminist? You got all kinds of great information to share with us today. We're excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And you did pronounce it properly, so you're good. <laughs> good job. I think she's being nice. Uh, (laughs) So before we dive in to hear all about your upbringing and what life was like back then, tell us a little bit about sort of your world today. Give us a quick 20 second commercial when somebody says, who is Fair Caggiano and what does your business world look like today? Um, I'd like to say that I am a full-time artist that have been in this industry for over 20 years. And um, I decided to focus my art on bringing attention to matters that uh, need to be on spotlight. So I use my art with the purpose of, you know, promoting change for the greater good. And I live in Mount Pleasant with my husband and two kids. I love it. I love it. And I know your story is amazing and I can't wait to get into all of that. So let's go way, 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 way back. Where were you born and raised? And tell us a little bit about life when you were young. I was born and raised in Sao Paulo, Brazil, which uh, when people think about Brazil, you know, they think of all the nature and all of that, but they forget that Sao Paulo is bigger than New York City. <laughs> so I grew up in a concrete jungle. Wow. I didn't, I actually did not yeah. realize that it's bigger than New York City. 
Yes. Uh, and as a student, I actually, you know, I, I've been to the States uh, as a teenager and, you know, moved back here uh, on my early 20s. But people always said, oh, are you not afraid of, you know, the city? And I'm like, you know, nothing, you know, like I grew up you know, <laughs> in the middle of, you know, like busy streets and it was hard to find uh, a place to play, you know, outdoors because, you know, it was always like so busy uh, with cars and people. Um, but as most of people from Sao Paulo, if you can, you have, you know, um, place at the beach or something like that. And even if you don't have a place at the beach, you rent something, but everyone gets away from Sao Paulo over the weekend yeah. just to get away from the mess and the pollution and all of that. So, yeah, that's my hometown. So what was family life like growing up? Like, what did your parents do? And did you have siblings? What were you like as a kid? Give us a little flavor for that. Hmm. My, uh, my parents, uh, they... Uh, Dad is an engineer, and he worked at a big business with a uh, bus. It was a bus uh, industry, and I remember when I was a kid, uh, he lost all his investments to a friend. So that was a very interesting, like, cultural shock because I was born in probably the fanciest neighborhood in Sao Paulo, and from day to night, suddenly I had nothing. Like, we still had the house, but I went from private school to public school, and, you know, like, all my friends, you know, like, was a completely different scenario, so it was an interesting, uh, and I actually consider that a blessing, because it changed my perspective from a very, very young age, so I was exposed to, like, complete opposite worlds from uh, early age. And now, my, how old were you yeah. when that happened? That's, um, I think, quite a shock. Probably around 10. Probably oh. around 10. And dad had, like, he managed to keep us, you know, like, slowly changing from private to um, uh, to public school. And I was the first one to go to public school, even though I'm the middle child. But that fit kind of, like, between, uh, I think, middle school to... Uh, elementary to middle or something. So I was the one that wasn't the right age to change schools. So I was the first one to go to public. And I remember it was kind of sad because uh, the public system in, some, in Brazil is not good. So I would teach my friends in class because they had no idea. Like the teacher would say something and then they just, they would be lost. And there was nothing new to me because I had learned already in the private system. So it was a very strange uh, time but also very valuable. And so, yeah, that was a, a bit of a strange <laughs> right. first comment on my childhood, but it was, it was an important, uh, important moment. And so, yeah, that was in that industry of, you know, bus. And then he changed like to IT, um, moved to, I think it was, what was it? Uh, health insurance, but he was on IT for health insurance. And then eventually he opened his own business. So now he has a, a business and currently they closed the office and everyone's working remote. So he moved permanently to the beach. And now he works with a view. <laughs> and, and st but still, is it still in um, Brazil? Yeah, this is in Brazil. I'm the only and one who moved here. You're the only one that moved here. And what did your mom do? My mom, uh, funny enough, like she used to be an artist first, but she shared a studio with my grandmother and they used to do art classes. But after a while, I think she just couldn't deal with sharing the studio with grandma. You know, grandma has a very strong personality. So she ended up uh, moving to advertising. So she had a home 
uh, advertising agency and I started working with her at the age of 15. So I've always been very uh, work driven and I always wanted to be independent. Unlike my sisters, you know, like even though my younger sister is super amazing, she's a corporate person doing really well. Uh, I was the only one who actually started early. <laughs> right. Well, so it sounds like uh, you, that's where you, your roots are in entrepreneurship and yes. being an artist. You are definitely following in your mother's footsteps. So what kind of student were you? Were you a good student? Even like when you went to prop public school. Did you excel? Were you studious? I was I was a good student. Um, I think the only subject that I had problems with was uh, chemistry. I think I never understood like molecules and that kind of stuff, but everything else I did good. Like I, I was a, a first row kind of student that would, you know, uh, even though I'm really shy, I don't pass as a shy person or an introvert most of the time, but uh, that's how I am. And still, you know, I, I would like shyly raise my hand and go like, teacher, what, what what, you mean then? And, you know, like I would really be involved on learning. And I actually got in trouble a few times, like when I moved to the public system, because I had a, a Portuguese teacher, you know, like here would be like English teacher, just, you know, basic grammar and that kind of stuff. And I come from a family where we had poets in the family. So like writing is a very important uh, thing for my family. My grandfather would read the dictionary just for fun. My grandmother on the other side would read like encyclopedias for fun. So I come from a very, very educated family. And then I had the teacher teaching a whole class wrong. And I was like, I'm sorry, sir, but I can't let you say this in front of the class because you're teaching a full class and you're saying it wrong. And he would get <laughs> angry at me and he'd say like, I'm not wrong. And then I would pull the dictionary and say like, sorry to say, but you are. <laughs> so I wasn't very well seen by some teachers, but I was, you know, I had a great relationship with others. <laughs> so maybe I missed this somewhere early on in the story, but what ultimately brought you to the United States and where did you land in the States when you came here? Well, this time uh, I married an American. So I've been here for almost five years, married to Jason. He's originally from Michigan, Upper Peninsula, but he's been in Charleston for over 10 years, probably close to 15 now, because when we got married, he was here for 10. So after, um, after, so you go through high school, what is it in, in Brazil? Do, do people go to college? Do you, were you on the college path? Like where did life take you after you graduated from high school? Yeah, Brazil has a different school system. So uh, we don't have college and university. After, after high school, you go directly to uh, university. So I am, at the end of high school, I actually took an exchange program and I went to Massachusetts. I was an uh, exchange student for six months. And then I went back home and I applied for university. I was so lost. I had no idea what I was going to do. And one of uh, the guy I was dating at the time, he said like, you should do marketing. And I was like, yeah, I think that sounds that sounds okay. Cause then I can do advertising. It's still a little bit on the creative side. Cause I couldn't believe that art was a possible career, especially like Brazil doesn't, doesn't value artists as much as Americans do. So I didn't choose that cause I chose uh, security and you know, being financial independent. So I went to uh, advertising and marketing for formal education. So I'm very happy that I actually did that. But I, I applied for uh, that as well as uh, architecture. 
And I think I even applied for radio or radio and television, something like very random. I applied for different universities and that's the one that I got through. And I was like, okay, I guess that's what I'm doing. So it felt kind of like uh, on the similar path, which I already was with my mom helping in her in her home agency. So um, I went to school in the nighttime because I wanted to continue having a full-time job. At that time, I probably slept four to five hours a night. And I had, of course, you know, a breakdown at the age of 20 something, 21 or something like I just like I, I one day I looked at the ceiling and I couldn't leave bed. I was just like, but it was um, it was an interesting time. And in the middle of university, I decided to take a sabbatical and I went to Spain and I was in Europe for half a year. I almost quit everything. And then uh, my dad said, no, you come back home, you finish your, your degree, you know, you get your diploma and then you do what you want with your life. And by then, you know, I got back home, I finished my degree um, and I married an Australian at the time. He got transferred to New Jersey. So off I went with him, dropped my career that at the time was doing really well. I was starting to get attention from all the, you know, the local media was pointing out how great my campaigns were and all of that. And then I dropped it all and went to New York to uh, go to art school and started all over again. That was one of the first times I started all over again. And that happened continuously in my life. <laughs> but it sounds like a common theme throughout was always you had a passion for art. And that was something yes. that you were, it sounds like very determined that no matter what, where, or when you were going to continue to pursue art as a passion and a profession. Yeah, well, art was uh, something I always loved. So I always did that on the side until I, I actually, you know, moved to New York. And that, that was 20 years ago. That was when it became a full-time thing which was funny because it wasn't my first choice uh, because I chose being independent before I chose to be an artist. And it was killing me. I mean, like I was sad. It wasn't working. Like I just like I was meant to be an artist. So I'm glad that life just pushed me to it. And, it, you know, in New York, I started getting awards and all of that. And my career just started flourishing. So and Fer, was there Fer, was there a moment where like you just you knew like it just the, the, the pendulum had swung for you and now this was it was there an event that happened what what got you over that hump oh, i think you know when i was a kid i still like i thought i should be an artist i applied for competitions i got my first award when i was 12 at sand sculpturing in a competition with adults because they didn't have kids um so like I, I won that and I still didn't believe it. And then when I took a sabbatical and I went to uh, Spain, I was I did the pilgrimage, you know, they called the Camino de Santiago. So I walked for 35 days. And during that time, I remember like I had a sketchbook and I would sketch everything like, you know, the ruins, the old churches it was just amazing. And I was like, oh, my God, I really should do this as a living. I, I love what I do and I don't know why I keep ignoring that. And yet I went back home and I went back to marketing. And so it took me not being allowed to work. I was here under an L2 visa, which means the spouse of someone that has been transferred for business. So I was not allowed to work. I was not allowed to go to formal school. So I went to the Art Students League 
And that was just what clicked. And I said, like, why have I, you know, <laughs> walked away from it so long? So it was, it was, uh, it was life that made me see it. Right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, you can put it that way. Yeah. yeah. So 20 years ago, so you were in New York and now you were basically forced to follow your passion because yes. that security, you know, like you said, you wanted the security. And I, I, I do think that, that there's a draw to that. And a lot of us don't follow our passion because we think that it's not going to be lucrative. So mm -hmm. um, at what point did you did it kind of switch from being a passion to you could actually make a living doing this? Well, it took some time. Um, I would say that the beginning of my career, I was just blessed to be married to someone that could support me. So I actually, you know, I actually could spend the money to do art because art is an expensive hobby if you want to do it as a hobby. The, uh, you know, the materials, everything about art is pricey. <laughs> so, like, if you want to be serious, you have to have a plan. And I remember when we moved to London, uh, my ex's, uh, his boss, she hired me to go to Austria to paint her portrait with her daughter. She paid for the trip, she paid for the portrait, and she took me to see all the museums of all my favorite artists, you know, Gustav Klimt, Egon Schiel, and I was like, I really felt like I was finally being valued as an artist. So that was a turning point, um, but then I got divorced and moved back to Brazil. So that was a crash. <laughs> so then back I am in Brazil after 10 years that I had dropped my career from marketing and I had no space to go back to that field. So I had to continue pursuing my career as an artist. And I struggled. I said like it wasn't easy. There was like a time where I spent like five months without a penny coming through and I would literally go to family house like family houses and go like can I have a meal here today because you know that was that bad so Brazil was never the place to give me support as an artist and I got to a point where you know like I, I ended up going to live in a Buddhist temple and I was a volunteer for four years of my life full-time and that changed a lot of the perspective of how I see things so I went from being like a, a kid in New York thinking, you know, I would conquer the world and my art would be in museums and all that kind of stuff to living in a temple where you're taught to be the last person in the room. So I decided to have a pur purpose behind, be, you know, behind what I was doing and I wanted to use art as something that could bring uh, greater things to this planet. So it's still like it took me a few years to get where I am today. So I left the temple and I went into a mural uh, job because that was something that Brazilians would buy. So they wouldn't buy a piece of art, but they would buy decorative murals. So I did a lot of that. I became well known for that. I still did painting, uh, you know, like fine art, but that wasn't what sold. And then I moved here, you know, I happened to uh, marry Jason and I was a single mom in Brazil and I still, you know, like I, I was doing it by myself, having, you know, like the muralist work supporting my, you know, my life and my son. And then I moved here and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll give it a shot with murals. And suddenly no murals would take off and my art just flourished again. And I was like, well, you know, this is the country that gave me my serious first award on art. So 
I will I will accept that this is the place. Oh, actually, there was another award I got. When I was a teenager in high school here in Massachusetts, uh, I got awarded, I think, three medals at school on the art exhibition. And that was it's still like, you know, I still didn't believe I should do that as a business. And I still went for marketing instead. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a strange, strange life path. But yeah. So as we're, we're almost out of time, but I'd love to just end on, you know, you have these moments throughout your life. I mean, literally the, the starving artist mantra fits you at some point, right? That you've gone <laughs> yes. in and out and back and forth and ups and downs, but there's something that's kept you all along the way focused on the end game and coming back to it. What is it about you and what is it that you can give to maybe those who are listening this morning as a sense of fortitude that allow you to make it through those challenges and tough times? I would say that uh, life should be about happiness because you always do something to reach an end point. And if you don't do what you love, you're wasting your time because you spend too much time at work. So like pursue, you know, that passion of yours and life will just unfold and things will work out if you are in the right track. So like keep following your, your dreams and you know, if there are difficulties on the way, uh, it's still, you know, it's still good because you're doing what you love. So you're going to make it. If you think of, uh, for instance, um, as a, an artist specifically, I would say that you should consider multiple sources of income. So for some people, it's having like a day job and then doing art as a hobby until you get established. Or for instance, like I have a product line and then the product line uh, supports my main business as an artist. So uh, I can actually focus on creating what I want to create because I have a business on the side selling products to support. If you know, if a big sale uh, with originals doesn't come through, then I still have the basics covered. Now in the last few seconds, where can people look for your art? Where can we find you? Fiacajano.com. It's that oh. simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> Gotta make it simple. <laughs> spell that out for us. Yes, spell that out. Yes. F-E-R-C-A-G-G-I-A-N-O.com. Wonderful. So that is where people can find you to look at Fair's art. Oh, what a fabulous story. I can't believe. Yeah, we're wrapping it up already. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing next week kind of how how things have unfolded to get to where you are today. Again, Fair Caggiano, artist and philanthropist, thanks for sharing your story with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And again, you've been listening to Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 WSC and presented by the College of Charleston School of Business and Coastal Wealth Management. And until next Saturday morning, Low Country. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. With nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.